Hello and welcome back to Pastoral Parsha. I'm Hody Nemus, a third-year rabbinical student at YCT Rabbinical School. And I'm Michelle Friedman, Chair of Pastoral Counseling at YCT. In each episode of this podcast, we explore psychological insights gleaned from the Torah portion of the week. And we also share with our listeners concepts and techniques that are taught in the Pastoral Counseling Program at YCT, where we try to integrate Torah wisdom and contemporary understandings from modern psychology. Our theme today in Parshat Hazinu is ethical wills and spiritual legacies. We're in the book of Deuteronomy, Devarim, chapter 32, verses 1 through 52. Hazinu is Moshe's farewell song. It's a poem that uh, that is spoken of by the Torah in very profound um, language. And uh, it says, write down this this song and sima and put it in their in their mouths. Now some uh, some commentators view that as talking about the whole Torah, but uh, it, it seems to be really talking about this song, but Hazinu. And Hazinu is really um, Moshe's sort of departing constitution. For the for the children of Israel, it's like uh, his his farewell parting shot. Now he's going to give some brachot, some blessings in the next parsha, but this is where he really says, "Here's here's sort of my take, uh, the Jewish take on God and on history," and it's essentially it's a familiar story. He says, "God is perfect, but you're not." You're going to uh, forget what God's done for you. You're going to grow self-satisfied, and eventually. God's going to punish you, um, and in the end, he won't destroy you. You're going to have redemption, uh, but you need to remember this. Remember what can happen. And uh, it's sort of Moshe's attempt to, I think, give, sort of condense the the, uh, the lessons of Sefer Devarim into a final uh, short passage. The rock, his deeds are perfect. Yes, all his ways are just. A faithful God, never false. True and upright is he. Now, this pasuk is a, one of the sort of the, the proof texts for the, uh, the perfection of God and, and Judaism's idea, really, that even things that seem difficult in our lives, they come from God and uh, even from a good God. Things that, uh, that, seem, that seem evil or seem difficult come from God as well. And this pasuk might sound familiar to you because it's actually what we say traditionally as a coffin is being lowered into a grave, a moment of recognizing that, uh, that God's ways are just. So this was part of Moses' goodbye to us, and, uh, and it leads us to think about how we, in fact, can say goodbye to the people around us, the people we love, with our own constitution. So I'm going to suggest a vignette, and this vignette is going to be at a holiday holiday get-together. Family is getting together and Aunt Sally says to 10-year-old Rosie, Rosie, you look so much like your Bubby Razel for whom you are named. Well, Rose is growing up. She's 10, but she's thinking about school. She's thinking about her bat mitzvah and family legacy has become much more interesting and compelling for her. 
and the idea that she looks like Bubby Razel, for whom she is named, who died shortly before Rose was born, is very intriguing to her. So later that evening, she asks her dad, who is Aunt Sally's brother, a son of Razel, Daddy, tell me, what was Bubby like? I want to know about her. What kind of person was she? And her dad can go and bring out a letter that his mother, Razel, wrote in her later years. And it's a kind of combination memoir of her personal story, kind of a up and down, rags to riches, riches to rags, keep going forward, and some thoughts that she had about what mattered to her in life, what her values were. And Rose's father can give this to his daughter and share this kind of ethical will through the family. Hmm. So I, I just want to say I wish that I had these. I think many people would wish that their uh, ancestors, their grandparents, parents had written an ethical will. So let's talk about that. What would happen if, if Bobby hadn't written this? So what is, what is that like for, um, for Rose? Well, it would be probably her dad would say most likely some platitudes about his mom. Maybe he would be able to come up with a couple of stories. Maybe he would go to a picture album and in looking at pictures, he could point out, tell stories about his growing up. And he could put together a kind of composite mm -hmm. of some vignettes about his mom. But that would be so different from her own words. Tremendously different. I, I would imagine that the the closest he could come, perhaps, would be if, if he had eulogies from the funeral itself. He could present right. those to her. But it's really not the same as hearing from from Booby herself, right? That's right. So I want to say a word about ethical wills because they're a it's tzavaot. You know, they're they they go back way back in Jewish history, all the way to Yaakov Avinu, Jacob on his deathbed, sort of doling out blessings, advice, kind of rebukes to to his sons. Uh, it feels very real. It's it's not all uh, it's not all a happy uh, farewell, but it continues on. We see many ethical wills written in the Gemara. Um, and uh, in, in the Middle Ages, all the way through modern times, they've collected many from the Warsaw Ghetto, from uh, people who perished there. And um, I think basically the idea is to indeed do what, what, what Bubby did, right? To, to write down some of your life story, to try to distill what are the, the, the key um, lessons or, or values that have been important to you that you hope that your descendants will share. And, um, and I think it, it can be an incredibly powerful, uh, an incredibly powerful exercise, both for the person doing it as well as for the, uh, the people receiving it. Absolutely. And, and it doesn't, a person doesn't have to be a philosopher or a great writer or anything like that in order to impart wisdom. We all have some kind of wisdom, something that we learned in life. And I think that hearing that or even reading it in a person's own handwriting or whatever is going to be next on their own typing um, <laughs> would be profoundly important. And it's a tradition that we're not sure why has, is not that common. I don't know of people, of contemporaries of mine who've talked about ethical wills from their parents or grandparents. 
So why, why is it not so common? I'm, I'm tempted to say it's just because in modernity we're less comfortable with, with death, as we spoke about in last week's uh, episode. We're, we're, we're all afraid of death and we don't have as much perhaps exposure now. Um, That's right. I mean, think about it. In the era of the, of the millennia, when these ethical wills, ethical wills were being written, people died at home. People were frail or they, they, they were ill and it was something that was more of a natural event. It may have been equally sad and sometimes tragic, but it was more natural and incorporated into the rhythm of the home and the community life. Mm-hmm. That's right. So let's say you're the grandchild of someone and you really want them to try to write an ethical will for their sake and for yours. How do you broach this with them? Because that to me seems like where where one of the reasons why this isn't happening because people aren't asking it's too awkward it's yeah that's for sure i mean and we're such a youth obsessed culture i mean people are you know there's sort of like there's no such thing as bubby shoes these days or bubby <laughs> clothes you know which anybody can identify like from the 50s and 60s like grandparents wore a certain kind of uniform a certain kind of outfit you know now it's a very youth culture um which has its positives obviously and people are living much longer but there is a certain denial or pushing away of mortality. I think this would be a real hard ask actually for a kid to ask a grandparent to write an ethical will. Mm -hmm. I think it's kind of like what we said last week. If this could be something that was more incorporated into the culture, if it was something that a community did, if it was something that a school project did of having grandparents and children come in together and writing letters to each other, for example. Uh I mean, this doesn't have to be, you know, some kind of like constitution or declaration (laughs) of independence. It could really be thoughts, you know, and it doesn't have to be formulated in some kind of highfalutin way. But I think that just creating the opportunity would really be a wonderful goal for any community of any religious persuasion, denomination. That seems like an excellent idea. I think writing letters to each other, that's that's moving away from the I'm about to die. Absolutely. Writing a will for you. I also wonder if a... If rabbis and leaders of, of Jewish communities have a real role to play here, I think by organizing, a, you know, perhaps a class on how to do this. Right, an ethical will Sunday brunch. And there are very good resources on this topic. I'd like to recommend taking a, a look at ethical wills and how to prepare them, a guide to sharing your values from generation to generation. That's a book edited by Jack Reamer and Nathaniel Stamford. It's been around for a few uh, decades, recently updated, and it has lots of ethical wills, all the way back from ancient ethical wills through modern times, and includes people like, you know, Rav Cook, Theodore Herzl, Hannah Senesch, uh, Shalom Aleichem. And I mean, wouldn't you want to find out what these people thought was the most important values to pass on? Absolutely. And I also want to find out what people that I know would pass on. Yes. So can we... Uh, close off today by inviting our listeners to let us know what they think of this and what their experience is with ethical wills. Please write to mefriedman at gmail.com and we wish you a shana tova mituka.